0: We were never promised that our existence on earth was gonna be easy and simple. As a matter of fact, when you look at at the growth of humans, whether it's the physical growth, spiritual growth or mental growth, the only way that we grow is
1: through struggle.
0: The EOS life is Doing what you love With people you love
1: Making a difference Being
0: compensated appropriately
1: time for other passions the EOS Life. Hi, I'm Mark O'Donnell, visionary at EOS Worldwide, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of the EOS Life podcast, where we explore the why and how of entrepreneurs actively living their ideal life, now, not later, and not in retirement. The world of entrepreneurial freedom and the impact on those around you depends on it. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Wade Berza. Wade is a professional EOS implementer, speaker, coach, and entrepreneur who's passionate about helping entrepreneurs and leadership teams get what they want from their businesses. Always a hard worker, Wade learned through many successes and failures that the word can't is not in the dictionary for successful people. Facing unthinkable adversity, Wade was the lone survivor of a fiery plane crash in December of 2019 that left him burned on 75% of his body in a coma and fighting for his life. Against the odds, he walked away from the hospital just as he did from the plane crash after only 52 days. Since then, he has devoted his life to helping others learn to thrive through adversity and to live their best lives now instead of later. Welcome to the show, Wade. Mark, glad to be here. And thanks for coming. And before we get started, if you could just briefly tell our listener about yourself, what is it that you do as an EOS implementer? What is your role? And what are you responsible for on a daily and weekly basis?
0: Yeah, so I guess, you know, at its core, I'm, I'm first a, a father and a husband, right? So married to the love of my life, I have six amazing children, and uh, we, we deal with all that every day. But whenever I'm not being the dad of the Brady Bunch back at home, my professional life is really centered uh, in all the things that I do around coaching. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a professional EOS implementer, and, and that gives me the opportunity to work with entrepreneurial companies to to help them get what they want from their business, and and I really love the teaching, facilitating, and coaching part of that, and, and just helping them figure out where it's at, and 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 hold them accountable to getting there. In addition to that, I also have a, um, a youth sports organization, a nonprofit that I run, and it's the same thing. Like I get to work with young people who some of them have great leadership in their home, others don't. And it's just helping them to see what it means to get out there and thrive and be your best and, and struggle and, and fight through it and, and get to the other side of it. So I guess in a nutshell, professional. I just like, I like coaching and helping people, man.
1: Very nice. Very nice. So as you know, the, the focus of this show is to help others discover their ideal life. And the ideal life we say is synonymous with the EOS life, which is doing what you love with people you love, making a huge difference being compensated appropriately with time to pursue other passions. And often this means that at some point you weren't always living your best life, your ideal life. So I'm just going to jump right in. If you could tell me the, the moment in time that you realized that you may have not been living your ideal life and things needed to change. So just take us to that, that moment.
0: Yeah. So as some people may know I- In 2019, I was the lone survivor of that plane crash. And a lot of people might think that that was the moment for me, but that wasn't the first time that my life had been in what you would call a crash, right? So about, uh, this is about 2006, 2007, I found myself in the exact same situation, except the first time my wide open field crash site was an apartment in the fiery crash was my soul and my life. Right. And I found myself in a position where I'd spent several years chasing all the things that didn't matter in life and putting stuff first and, and, and found myself where, you know, I had some broken relationships. I wasn't doing a job that I, I truly loved, wasn't around people that necessarily made me my best and, and didn't challenge me to be my best. And, and it was in that moment that I had to to face myself, hold myself accountable and also realized that I needed I needed some intervention there to get out of it, and and so and that was really the moment for me. I fell on my knees, surrendered, and gave it up, and and started the process of becoming the man that I actually wanted to be and living the life. Now, I wish I could tell you that overnight, you know, all of a sudden everything changed and I became a great father and a great husband, and and, and you know my business life got better and everything else. But that's just not how the world works, right? Mm-hmm. But for me that was that night where I sat there and realized that all I needed to change was kind of that immediate moment for me and it started to shift my focus away from stuff to living a good life if that makes any sense material things started to matter less and, and it started to change
1: it makes total sense and if you could tell us what was the first step you took to that change one it was the the recognition that you needed to so I suppose that might be the first step but what did you do next
0: Look, so, I mean, the first thing I did, and I'm a, I'm a man of of faith. The first thing I did is, is I just asked to be changed, right? Mm -hmm. Just make me whole, make me, make me who I want to be in this moment. Now it was just that admission that I wasn't where I wanted to be that I think empowered me to, to, to make the changes that I needed to make in life. And and without that admission that I needed to change, I would have just kept going down the road and lying to myself and living that lie that I was happy. Right. Mm -hmm. But, That admission allowed me to recognize that, no, I don't like the job that I do. No, I don't spend enough time at home. No, I'm not pursuing the right passions. No, I'm not hanging out with the right people and and, and all of those things. So that was the first step. Now, from there, there was a series of steps. I believe that there were a bunch of hills that were put up in front of me. And if you, it's kind of funny. I just thought, hey, you know what? I'm going to fall on my knees right here. I'm going to cry a little bit. And I'm going to ask to be changed. And then all of a sudden life's going to be better. It's just going to be better. And then I woke up the next day and there was another hill. And I was like, well, I'm just going to do this and then and I'll be better. But it's like, God just keeps putting these hills in front of me. I keep climbing every day to get better. And, and I don't know how else to explain it other than it's just a constant journey. Once I made that admittance that I wanted to get better. And, and it's been beneficial because I think it's in the struggle that we find who we really are and we start to shape ourselves into our best self is through that adversity.
1: Couldn't agree more with that. And how long did it take you until you saw noticeable change? Because I think what happens oftentimes people... Is very incremental. It's sort of like investing with this compound interest. It doesn't really feel like you're making any progress until one day you look back and you're like, "Whoa, that's a huge amount of progress." So, how long did it take you going through hill after hill before you kind of looked back and you were happy with that progress?
0: Well, so there's there's two different questions there, right? And mm-hmm. no, I answer them separately. Okay, so the first one is, how long did it take me to notice progress? Mark, I was I was kind of a messed up dude, yeah. You know? It wasn't, wasn't very hard to notice progress. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So almost immediately I started to make changes and make notice progress along the path. It was small incremental progress. The second question he asked is how long was it before I was happy with the progress?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I gotta be honest with you that, that hasn't been until very recently that I've reached a point where I'm at peace with the fact that I'm never going to be done making progress and that's the only point that I got happy with it. Right. And so if I look at the man that I was at that point, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, look at that person. And that person disgusts me right where I was and what I was doing. Like, how could you have ever been in that point? If I look at the person that I was maybe six or seven years ago, that person was way better than I was 12 years ago, 13 years ago, but he's still nowhere close to where I want to be, you know? And we mentioned the plane crash Plane crash happened seven, eight years ago. I don't make it out of the field.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I died out there because I wasn't ready to deal with what I needed to deal with when you go through something as catastrophic as what I went through. So I guess I didn't become happy with the progress until I realized that the progress was exactly where it needed to be to get me where I wanted to go, where I needed to be anyway. If that makes any sense, it was kind of a a circular. No,
1: it it makes perfect sense. And Dan Sullivan and Ben Hardy recently wrote a book called The Gap and the Gain. And what he talks about in that that book, and I would recommend for anyone to read that book, and I talk about it pretty often because I think it's just so powerful and applicable to this conversation, is that most people measure themselves to the horizon, like their ideal of what their life could be or should be. And therefore, because they're measuring towards this ideal, which is never ever achievable, they're always unhappy. And it's a measurement issue because you maybe through the plane crash started measuring backwards on the progress you've made. And then you just use that ideal to set the next goal, you go through, you accomplish things, then you look backwards, you measure yourself based on that progress. And then all of a sudden, to use your words, you're at peace and you're happy because you realize that the ideal is unattainable. And the only thing that really matters is that you're making progress towards it. Every day, your two feet hit the floor.
0: Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the most important things that ever happened to me in my life, and I know this is an EOS life podcast. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of, of Rose's EOS's way. <laughs> I'm going through this transformational point in my life, right? And I'm trying to figure out who I am. And it just so happened that at that point in the business I was in the leadership team for, we had invited an EOS implementer into our organization to try and help us. And he introduces the concept of core values to us. And so we're spending all this time defining the core values of the organization. And around the same time, I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Matthew Kelly did the podcast. And he talked about defining your own core value as a person. And I was like, wow, that's deep. I don't know who I stand for. I think I know, but I don't know. And so I spent some time, I was in, in a hotel room in Houston, Texas. And like I didn't say Houston, Texas, I was in Houston. <laughs> and I'm in a hotel room and I pull out my journal and I spent about an hour just filling pages with what do I stand for? Who am I? Long story short, I went through the process, narrowed it all down, and I came up with a handful of things that define who I was, right? And it was my new guiding light. One of them was to be a student of the game, right? And for me, that means you should always be learning and always be improving, trying to learn more about what's going on. You know, you look at take the sports aspect of it. Tom Brady's 40-something years old, and he's still getting better every year because he's a constant student of the game. When Mother Teresa died, Mother Teresa had the same call that we all do every day. Mother Teresa's call was when her two feet hit the floor to work that day to be better than she was the day before. Right. And so regardless of where we are along the path, if we wake up every day and we just focus on getting better that day, to me, that is the ideal. If you see somebody who's just working to get better, that's what it's all about.
1: For sure. It's interesting because we talk about that ideal life and those five points of the EOS life, and it is a journey, a lifelong journey that you can fall away from and you have to focus on. It it takes effort and focus to live an ideal life. It is not a destination. It is a continuous journey. And... To always surround yourself with people you love, to continuously do what you love, to ensure that you're making an impact, right? So all those different points are absolutely a journey. And before we started this episode, you were taking me through some of the uh, photos of you in the plane crash. And, you know, this is a podcast, so people can't, can't see, but just to to describe, you know, as you're sitting there and you're wrapped head to toe in gauze and the photos of you in a coma, you know, clearly severely injured, but really just your eyes out, (laughs) I mean, there's no other way to, to describe it. And I think that's for a lot of people, myself included, we can't, most people cannot, put ourselves in that low of a spot if you will where to be that damaged to be that hurt and you were talking about that journey and if you could tell re say that a little bit about holding the coffee pot and and taking the steps and you know it's difficult for me to to say because as I see you now as we record this podcast obviously I see some of the scars and things like that but can you just describe for us that journey? Cause I think you just have the most real authentic illustrations that is so impactful of progress, not perfection.
0: Yeah. And you know, you talk about life as a journey and look, I, I, I hope, I hope that nobody else ever has to go through what I went, what I went through bringing close to it. It was, it was hell on earth. Um, and and I, I live through it still today. I don't want anybody else to have to, to deal with that. Now, life is a journey, but I don't necessarily think that everything that we go through on a day-to-day basis is necessarily life or death. But I do think that there is a parallel between what I went through th- with everything that we go through in life, right? So um, I'll take two steps back to get to the coffee pot story, if you don't mind. So, you know, going into December of 2019, myself and the people on, on the, the leadership team of the company that I was working with were planning for a hyper growth year the next year. Our company was at a point we we're going to take off. My family and I were in a great spot. Um, the, my, I had my my mom coming over the next day with a brisket in the in the fridge. We we're gonna we we're gonna cook and, and just celebrate Christmas. And it was great, right? Couldn't we were we were on cloud nine. Couldn't have been better. And then a forty eight second flight later, I'm in a coma. My best friend is dead, and the the visionary of our company, another good friend of mine, and his family are gone. Right, everything that we knew the day before is upside down, and that's the thing about adversity. Like, there's no calendar invite from adversity; it doesn't send you a text message and say, "Hey, by the way, I'll be coming kick you in the butt tomorrow. Get ready." No, it just it, it takes us when we are at our highest and it punches us. But so I go through the accident, miraculously survived the crash, and I, I go into a coma. I find myself I wake up after the coma, and I'm laying in the hospital bed from the middle of my calf to the top of my head. Everything is wrapped in bandages. Cause it's all burned. I showed you a picture of one where my eyes were out the next day. They put bandages over my eyes, even cause even my eyes were burned. So that's where I was at that point. And so after I started to get my my whereabouts back, the hospital brings this guy in, his name's Steve, he's going to come in and he's going to, Show me, he was a guy who had been burned on 70% of his body. And he was going to show me there's life after these burns, right? And so I'm laying in this bed. I'm a complete vegetable. I'm a big guy, 6'3", 250 pounds. I couldn't pick up my hands. I was too weak. Couldn't lift my head. Couldn't sit up. Couldn't do anything. And he comes into the room and he, he's trying to motivate me. And he's talking about how when he went home, he was so weak when he got home that he tried to pour a cup of coffee. And the coffee pot was too heavy for him. And he had to sit the coffee cup down on the table and his hands were shaking. and it took two hands to pour a cup of coffee, right? And his point was, look at me now, I'm, I'm back to normal. And I'm very thankful that he came in there and, and he came in often. But that day I looked at him and, and, and I was like, are you not paying attention? Can you not see me right now? I mean, look at me, I will never walk again. I'll never sit up again. And you think I'm gonna pour a cup of coffee because I couldn't, I couldn't get there from here. I couldn't see my way through where I was to where I wanted to be. And I think oftentimes in life, you know, maybe it's not a life or death situation. Maybe it's a a, a tough quarter in a business. Maybe it's a, a tough relationship. Heck, think about marriages. More than half of our marriages fail because we can't see our way through them, right? But what happened in that moment when I was completely vulnerable, completely exposed, absolutely weak, i had to rely on others to lift me up and to help me and so literally hundreds of thousands maybe millions of people prayed for me worldwide there were people at the hospital who were dedicated and committed to helping me and i would have these therapists that would come in and we would do exercises every day right and so the first exercises they would they would do with me is they just wanted me to push my feet against their hands to start strengthening my legs again okay And all I could control at that point was my attitude and effort. So they would ask me to do 10. I would do 12. And then over time, and it was a short period of time, you know, relatively short. Over time, I was able to start sitting up in the bed. And then once I could sit up, then we could start to do more exercises. And then I could stand up. And then we could do more exercises. And then eventually I could walk again. And then once I started walking, then my body started strengthen it even faster. And then within a few days, I was walking up and down stairs. And then before you knew it, right? So here's this guy, I'm burned. And the, the doctors who were very optimistic staff said I was cautiously optimistic, but that I would, if I survived, I would be in the hospital for 90 days. The first responders that took care of me at the, at the scene, one of them was asked later, hey, what about the survivor? And he said, he's not going to make it. And if he does, he's going to wish he didn't. Right. And Jeez. I don't begrudge them. I don't say that in an ugly way. Like yeah. I would have said the same thing, mm-hmm. but because of, I, I believe the prayers and because of the focus and just taking it one day at a time, I went from, I can't sit up till I walked out of the hospital after 52 days when they said I'd be there for 90. Right. And then since then, it's just been a continuous process of working to strengthen my body and get back to some, some sort of normalcy. Right. Mm-hmm. But those things are possible When you don't try to get to the end, when we just view the next step as progress and then you celebrate that progress. You know, the first time I walked, I think a lot of people need to hear this. So please listen up. I don't think we celebrate enough, right? You look at the NFL, they throw penalties every time somebody celebrates. (laughs) I think you just throw a penalty every time they don't. So I get up and I walk. And here I am at the time of a 37-year-old man, fiercely independent, super competitive. Don't want anybody to help me. And I walk for the first time and all I'm able to do is walk maybe 20 or 30 feet and then bring me back and sit down. And I yelled, I let out the loudest yell you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> yes. The whole ICU stopped everything they were doing and came running because they thought something was wrong with me. Right. And then I ordered, I ordered two big old cups of ice cream and I celebrated, right? Because no, I wasn't running yet. I wasn't back in the gym. I wasn't throwing a baseball with my son again. But damn it, it was progress and it was worth celebrating. And we can't forget that.
1: (laughs) We cannot. We cannot. I mean, how often do entrepreneurs or anyone, they're just, they make a little progress. They don't recognize it. They don't, they're not grateful for it.
0: And here's the thing. When we don't celebrate progress, here's what happens to us. The pit that we're in gets deeper than it actually is. And when that pit starts to get deeper, it gets harder to see where we're supposed to go and we give up. The reason why we oftentimes don't break through is because we're not willing to push that extra little bit that it takes to break through. You know, always, always something good comes after the worst of times. And so you just got to be willing to fight through it and not give up. And what helps you to not give up is the ability to recognize progress and reward yourself for the progress, not for perfection, progress.
1: Yeah, and that, that's just so powerful because... What I think happens is when you're celebrating those mini wins, the, the one step, the two step, then, the, then letting, letting out the yell after 20 feet sure. is your confidence begins to build. Your mindset starts to shift and you aren't measuring yourself against the ideal, the horizon, and you're really living in a present way, uh, in a grateful way. And, you know, everyone wants to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned those words specifically, and we didn't talk about this before, but there were a few things that helped me to get through it. And, and you know, I mentioned earlier, seven years ago, I don't survive this. One of the things that, that happened to me is I met some amazing mentors and coaches who helped me to understand the power of mindset. So before the crash, I had a, a what I call the dream board that had a picture of all of the things that were important to me that I was working for in life. And so I had my core values, a picture that represented my core values on it. I had a few material goals, you know, paying off our house, stuff like that on it. And I had a picture in the center of it of my family, wanted a unified family. I knew exactly what I was fighting for. Nobody had to to come in and convince me what I was fighting for. So while I was in the hospital in coma, my family brought the dream board and posted it up on the wall in the hospital, right? And the second thing is, is mindset. When I was cognizant enough of it, once my mind came back, from the coma and stuff, I was acutely aware of the positivity and the mindset that I had for myself. So I did certain things to make sure that I didn't go to a negative place. We didn't allow negativity into the room from other people, right, we had a no crying rule. You don't come in the room crying, right? Yeah, Wade's ugly right now, it doesn't look good, but he's gonna make it, That dadgummit. So don't come in here with negativity because your mindset will take you to the next level. And when you get into a bad spot, Are you willing to fight for it? Are you convinced? Are you convinced that you are going to make it through it? Mm -hmm. Because when you are convinced and you can see it and you know, this is where I'm going to be, then stuff just starts to happen
1: because your body, your mind won't let your body fail you at that point. Yeah, It just builds from one level to the next level to the next level before you're, sitting on the EOS life podcast as an implementer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Somehow this didn't this this wasn't on my dream board but it was. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's it's just such a powerful message for people. As you said, in any situation, any, you know, the way you're measuring yourself, the way you're making progress, the identification of those things that are truly important to you with your family on that, that dream board, you probably weren't thinking about the car you wanted or, you know, any of those other things that some people will put on their, their dream, board no, when, and put in their vision. When the grim reaper,
0: <laughs> when the grim Reaper's is breathing down your neck. Right. Now look, I, I got really close to him. Like he didn't kiss me, but I felt this breath on my nose. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was there cars and houses and and those big green egg barbecue pit things that I used to always have. None of that stuff matters. None of it matters.
1: For sure. So you get out of the hospital, how has your life changed since then? And as you think about it in the context of living the EOS life, how did it affect everything? So that experience, that, that trial, the adversity, recognizing the mindsets and all the different training you've been through, how's it affected your, your personal life and your professional life since then?
0: Yeah. So look, candidly, it's, it's no walk in the park. Every day is kind of a, you have to regenerate and remind yourself of all those things. But one of the things, probably the biggest thing that I've learned through this process, and it's been a revelation for me is I now thank God for all the hard times that I've been through. Adversity doesn't scare me. Death certainly doesn't scare me. And the reason why adversity doesn't scare me is in why I'm so thankful for it. Like I'll, I literally, when I get down on my knees at night, I thank God for the bad times in life. Because as I've mentioned a couple of times, had I not gone through those trips and falls and those tough times, I wouldn't have been prepared to survive. I wouldn't have been mentally, physically, or, or spiritually strong enough to do it. So that's one of the biggest ways that I've changed is, I wish I was in every day. I'm not, that stuff still stresses me out, but it doesn't stress me out to the level that it used to. It's just an issue. It's going to make me better. Bring it on. Mm -hmm. Right. So that mindset has changed. Certainly. The other thing is, you know, I used to be a guy who said, I'm gonna a lot. Uh, I wanted to be a high school football coach whenever I was leaving high school and I was convinced not to do it, uh, talked out of it. And frankly, it's probably for the best, right? Life took, life took a different path. But I used to always say that one day I'm going to, to get back into coaching. And I used to always say that I'm going to start a business. And so I think back in, you know, when I was 36, I thought my life was about halfway over and it bothered me. Well, when I was 37, 48 seconds almost changed my life. It did change my life. It almost ended my life. And so now I kind of look at life 48 seconds at a time, right? Um, and it doesn't mean you get flippant and, and act like a cowboy. But I don't say I'm going to do stuff anymore. If there's something that's meaningful that needs to get done, I go ahead and do it. If somebody I need to forgive, I forgive them right away. If there's somebody that I need to ask forgiveness of th- for them to forgive me, I go do it. If there's a relationship that needs to be patched, I go do it. If I feel like I'm being called or pulled or, or tugged to go and, and execute and do something, call somebody, do something, say something just go do it because we don't know when our 48 seconds are going to be up. We're not given that benefit. The only benefit that we have is whatever gift that we have. We're going to have it for as long as we have it. Right. We don't, we're not in charge of the duration. We're not in charge of of when it gets taken away. So just enjoy it while you got it and make the best of it.
1: That's such a powerful piece of advice. And I hope that everyone listening takes that to, to heart to think, you know, maybe not necessarily 48 seconds at a time. <laughs> it's very specific. Uh, my, wife,
0: my wife says that maybe that's not the best idea. So yeah, so maybe, maybe not the best I'm idea. But,
1: <laughs> well, uh, but the point is well taken, right? That, uh, yeah. you know, stop waiting, stop saying I'm gonna, and you are here to make an impact. So what part of your EOS life are you working on now? And What's next for you?
0: Yeah, so... You know, I am I find myself in a position now where I honestly get a chance to do what I love. I was in a session not long ago and I watched one of my clients solve a big issue. And it literally brought tears to my eyes. Like kind of choked me up. Like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Obviously, brand new business owner. Yeah, Maybe not making as much money as I want to make yet. So that's got to be growing. But I'm taking the EOS life as a journey, right? And taking it step by step. And I feel like I'm at a point now where I do get to do what i love to do with people that i enjoy doing it with and so for me wherever this path is going to take it's just going to get i think the eos life i guess if i can say that a better way i think the eos life for me where i'm at right now it's just going to be an evolution it's going to be the continuation of of that journey so the hill that i'm on today is focused around building a practice and and getting to while i'm building the practice doing what i love to do while i'm doing it but that's just another hill on the way to the next calling that's going to be down the road. And so I'm, I'm excited to see where it takes me.
1: Very nice. So if you could, and as we wrap up this episode based on all of the things that you've been through and talking to someone who's facing some adversity, uh, you've had lots of golden nuggets of wisdom in the, in this episode, but if you could break it down and, and talk to that person. What is one piece of advice you'd offer them to help them achieve their EOS life? I would say embrace it. We were never promised that our existence on
0: earth was going to be easy and simple. As a matter of fact, when you look at the growth of humans, whether it's the physical growth, spiritual growth, or mental growth, the only way that we grow is through struggle. That's why working out so hard. So if you're someone who's facing adversity right now, I'd say embrace it and just recognize where you are. And it's an opportunity to grow and to struggle and realize that if you don't give up and you keep that right mindset, you'll get to the other side and you'll be better and stronger for it. So everything that you go through right now is just leading you down the path to something
1: better. Embrace it and take it. Very nice. Oddly, that reminds me a of story of the biodome. <laughs> Do you know the story of the biodome? <laughs> I'm, I'm not familiar with that. So, back in the the day, the scientists were trying to create a an, an ecosystem inside of a big plexiglass dome, right? And so they had food and water, and they were, they started introducing humans into the biodome because they were they were fearful of like you know the apocalypse, nuclear war, or whatever. And so they wanted to see if we could all live in these bubbles. And uh, so the scientists had everything they need in there. And for whatever reason, well, we know the reason, but all the trees that they planted and they were all laying down flat and they were kind of like squishy and, and they were laying down. And so they were like, why in the world are these trees not growing inside of the biodome? And so they were researching and researching and eventually they figured out that the reason the trees weren't standing up straight and strong and bearing fruit is that there was no wind, there was no friction, there was no adversity because it's the wind that makes the trees stand up straight and tall and bear fruit.
0: Is that real? That's That's a real story? That is a real story. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, if I just made it up now, it's still good. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's really good.
1: All right, Wade, thank you very much for your time today. So what is the best place for our listener to learn more about you, get in touch with you, uh, where can they go?
0: Yeah. So the best place is uh, my website. It's uh, www.usworldwide.com slash Wade Behrzoff. Do
1: you want to spell and, that for us?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's W-A-D-E-B-E-R-Z-A-S. Perfect. Or you can look uh, look me up on LinkedIn.
1: I'm there as well. Perfect. Well, Wade, thanks again. And I'll see you at a quarterly collaborative exchange sometime soon. (laughs) Can't wait, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value from today's episode. Remember to ask yourself, how long will you wait until you demand the best for yourself? How long will you wait until you live your ideal life? The EOS life.